Hello everyone, this is William Walker Jr., the Zero to 100 Podcast, Episode 2. I want to give a shout out to everybody that listened to the first two installments, which was Episode 1 and Episode 1.5. Thanks again to my dad and my brothers, Corey and Ricky. Uh, had a good time talking about sports and our fandom and listen to the feedback from those who listened to the first two installments and gonna try some things different. This episode is gonna be different from the first one. Gonna talk about a number of different subjects actually. Um, probably with each episode now that I do, I'm gonna start it off with my uh, <laughs> random rants, what I call. Uh, This is just stuff that's going on during the week that I may have had a hot opinion about or something that I wanted to get off my chest or say and go ahead and put it all out there and get others feedback to see what they think. Feedback is key. I appreciate it. I love it. I would like it if you guys commented on either when I post it on the blog or on my Facebook page or on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at WCWPoet. The blog is the number zero, T-O, the number one, then hundred, dot blogspot.com. So try to be more active on that. And you can always get the episodes from the podcast on there, or you can also get it on SoundCloud. Just search zero to 100. Soon you should be able to get the podcast on apple itunes right now is currently under review so fingers crossed hopefully that'll be up soon as soon as it is i will let you guys know so that you can subscribe um episode two is going to be different from the first uh, episode i'm gonna talk briefly about sports because um, nfl free agency is in full effect Sadly, the Cowboys did not sign Earl Thomas, who is literally the only free agent I even actually wanted them to sign. I really didn't care about anybody else for the most part, but going to briefly talk about that. Um, But really what I wanted to do was get away and talk about some of the things that we've been seeing in the news, uh, some stuff that I didn't really get to share about. One of the things I'm definitely the most passionate about usually outside of sports is politics Um, pretty much whenever i see stuff on the news and in regard to politics i get pretty fired up and hyped about it so uh, but just a lot of crazy stuff going on as of this uh you know episode that i'm recording um which is actually started here on friday sadly there was the horrible tragic shootings in new zealand where uh white supremacist terrorists uh, shot up a mosque Um, at least 40 dead as of right now 20 injured just a horrible story uh, horrible event I mean literally shocked that it actually didn't take place here Um, but it's just becoming more and more evident that these horrible things continue to happen all around us Um, only thing we can really do is put our faith in God trust in him and take it one day at a time um but you know don't want to bring everyone down we want to have some fun the subject matter that i'm going to be discussing in the podcast today is going to be pretty heavy 
So if you have any young children, this subject probably isn't best for them. Uh, like I said at the end of my last episode, wanted to touch on the uh, R. Kelly, Michael Jackson documentaries because I forced myself to get through it and watch them, which was not easy. And I had some, uh, my opinion on it, especially in regards to how people were reacting to both. Um, I'm going to have a conversation with one of my really good friends from like high school actually literally goes all the way back to fifth grade um so that's going to be later on the podcast but just to get things started like i'm going to do from now on is hit off with some random observations and that's coming up next this is the zero to 100 podcast episode two This is the Zero to 100 podcast, episode two. As I said before, I wanted to briefly talk about sports in this episode. I'm not going to spend the whole time talking about it. Um, so we're in to free agency, NFL free agency, which started this week. And the only person I literally even cared that I wanted the Cowboys to get was Earl Thomas. Earl Thomas is probably going to be a Hall of Fame free safety when he retires. Um, Last year, he uh, was linked to the Cowboys because he wanted a contract extension. It was very clear that Seattle wasn't going to give him one, so he, you know, wanted to play for Dallas. In fact, the year before, um, the Christmas Eve game, when the um, before last season, like the season before, um, when the Cowboys played the Seahawks and the Seahawks beat the Cowboys, that was the game where freaking Jason Garrett was lined up at the one-yard line and did not give the ball to Ezekiel Elliott and ended up having to settle for a field goal, which the field goal kicker Dan Bailey missed. And the Cowboys lost that game, which was pretty much killing their playoff chances. That was the um, 2017 season. Hooray! So, here we are, entering free agency after that game. Earl Thomas ran to the Cowboys locker room, said to Jason Garrett, hey, come get me. So, everybody was pretty much thinking, oh, Dallas is going to try to get him. Come up to the draft. And Seattle's asking for, I think they were trying to get like a first-round pick or whatever, or the Cowboys' second-round pick at the time. Uh, Jason Witten had just retired, so, of course, the Cowboys weren't trading their second-round pick. They didn't do it. So, going into the season, people were like, oh, well, are the Cowboys interested? Are they trying to get Earl Thomas? The reports were that apparently the Cowboys were offering them a second-round pick, but Seattle was trying to be greedy and wanted to get more. And so, the Cowboys were like, no. Um, they ended up playing that season, and Earl Thomas actually had two interceptions of Dak Prescott. Um, the very next week, I believe, which was week five, he ended up breaking his leg versus the Arizona Cardinals. And in one of the most crazy yet ill moves, while he's being carted off the field, he gives the middle finger to the Seattle sideline. 
because that's why he was holding out and that's why he wanted to get an extension because if something happens to a football player, that's pretty much it. That's why the big deal is always guaranteed money. And it's funny because I never quite understood that until I got much older and you really kind of understand what it means because you just think, oh, I can just pay the players whatever and being a football player is great. And you see these deals where they go, such and such signed a five-year deal for $90 million. Well, only 35 of it is guaranteed, meaning he'll probably only see like half of it if he's lucky because never do they see the whole thing unless you're a quarterback, which is why I said if my son, if I had one, don't have a kid, calm down, mom, dad. Um, if I had one and he played football, I would try to make him a quarterback. Point is... The Cowboys and Earl Thomas had always been linked. They just were there. They were synonymous. They kept saying, that's who the Cowboys want. He wants to go to the Cowboys. Even going into free agency, Richard Sherman was saying, that's the cornerback for the San Francisco 49ers, who was part of the Legion of Boom. He was saying that um, if the money's the same, if the money's right, then Earl Thomas is going to the Cowboys. At this point, I don't know if Earl Thomas really was trying to go to the Cowboys or if he just wanted to use the Cowboys as like a leverage point because uh, Robert Klimko, a writer for Sports Illustrated, just came out with um, a list. It was like top five destinations of where NFL free agents want to go and bottom five destinations. And the number one top destination was the Dallas Cowboys, which, look, we Americans team, we're the best. It's plain and simple. But it's like the Cowboys, if you've paid attention the past 10 years, which I have, they don't spend money on free agents. Like, they just don't do it. The last time they really signed a big-time free agent was, you could argue, you could probably say Greg Hardy back in um, for the 2017 season. Or, um, no, I'm sorry, excuse me, that was 2015 uh, season. Yeah, it was Greg Hardy, 2015. And even when they did that, it didn't make that much sense because he had just come back from the domestic violence thing and he was going to be out for at least six games. Like, I think he got 10, got it reduced down to six. But nobody else was trying to get him. So they really were bidding against themselves. Before that, the only other big-time free agent that they signed was Brandon Carr. Now, if you paid attention to the Cowboys, you kind of know this because there's a difference between how Jerry Jones would try to go after people and how his son, Stephen Jones, who I think is getting more and more control of the team and having more of a say. Whenever I heard him interview Stephen Jones, it was always very clear that he did not like free agency. Like, he didn't like the fact that you would pay a ridiculous amount of money for players just because they're out there. And some players that are really good get paid like they're great players. And some, you know, uh, you know, average players get paid like they're good players. Point is, it's like you, he felt like it's not even. And he always felt like, oh, we need to draft better and we got to pay to keep our own people, which is a good strategy to have. It's actually not a bad strategy if you draft well. And the Cowboys actually haven't been bad at drafting well, but they have been really bad to me at paying their own 
or even keeping their own. It's like they'll like a guy will have a really good year on the last year of his contract, and then they'll go, "Oh, okay, let's now let's pay him out. Let's like let's pay him." And then as soon as he gets paid, that's when he like you know falls off. Like he's not that good. There's like Jay Ratliff. They had to keep paying for years because they gave him a big deal. He never lived up to the contract. You could argue Tyrone Crawford hasn't lived up to the money that he's got. That's a starting defensive tackle slash defensive end. But he's at least been a solid contributor, so I'm not going to go there with that. Um, But point is, Earl Thomas was coming out here talking about he wanted to get uh, like $15 per year. He wanted to be the highest-paid safety. Um, I think when Landon Collins signed with the Redskins and he was getting like $14 per year, that was uh that hurt. It did not help the situation at all. Because the second that contract went out, then you had Tyron Matthew getting uh I think he was getting like fourteen mil or close to fourteen mil per season. And if Earl Thomas is saying that's why he wants to be the highest paid safety, I automatically knew the Cowboys were out. Especially seeing how the highest they were willing to go was eight to ten million which is really far from that so point is went to the ravens and you know i listened to a lot of sports talk down there uh in dallas and um the general consensus is that the fact that they're trying to re-sign demarcus lawrence to a big deal that's their start defensive end um they're gonna have to pay Dak prescott even though I really am just to the point where he's on, uh, he's still on his rookie contract. This is his last year of his rookie deal. And I'm just kind of like, just let him play it out because one or two things are going to happen. Chances are you have to pay him um, like 30 mil per year anyway. And it's either he'll have a really good season and you're going to pay him 30 mil per year or he has a crappy season and you can say to him, we're going to keep you, but how about for 20 per year or 22 or whatever or something like that? Point is, you might not have to pay him 30 per year, making him the highest paid quarterback in the league. Because as much as I love Dak Prescott and that's my quarterback, I'm not, this dude is not a 30 mil per year quarterback. So um, they're going to have to pay Amari Cooper, who. I'm pretty certain they're going to pay because this is going to be the last year of his deal. And then after him is Ezekiel Elliott, who Stephen Jones has already made pretty clear that they're going to re-sign. Even though you can really find a running back almost anywhere, just see Philip Lindsay for the Denver Broncos, who was a undrafted free agent. Point is, I'm frustrated because the Cowboys do absolutely nothing in free agency. And you had one player nobody's asking you to go out and try to get Le'Veon Bell or uh Dominic Sue or anybody like you know back up the Brinks truck for you know all these players but just get one player on like a two-year deal this is it go for it like as good as I thought the Cowboys defense was last year they did not get turnovers Earl Thomas gets turnovers so it's just a little frustrating that they don't like you don't have a first round pick 
this year because you went into last year going, oh, you know what? We don't need a wide receiver. Let's get rid of Dez, and we don't need anybody. So you saw how that worked out. That's why you traded the first-round pick for Amari Cooper. Now, it worked out because Amari Cooper is worth it. But at the same time, you have to kind of look at the big picture. And if you would actually do something in free agency while everybody else is just like, making moves now granted they might blow up in their face but it's just do something like just do something like just don't sit there and stare at like oh you know it's free agency time i don't know what to do anyway that's my rant for the cowboys um i'm very happy that the giants traded odell beckham to the browns giants are retarded they got a 37 year old quarterback who's garbage anyway and only thing they really done is added Golden Tate and like, yeah, okay. So, Giants should suck. Hopefully, Carson Wentz uh, is not Carson Wentz of his MVP season before he got hurt. And the team in Philly actually hates him. Look, point is, this is make or break for Jason Garrett. And one or two things is going to happen. Either Cowboys are going to go far in the playoffs and possibly get to a Super Bowl, or Jason Garrett's going to get fired, and then I'm happy because there's still the rumors out there that uh, Sean Payton could end up coaching Dallas, which would be a dream. I would absolutely love that because Jason Garrett's a terrible coach. I'm remaining optimistic, as I always do every Cowboys season, but that's my Cowboys take. This is the Zero to 100 Podcast, Episode 2. To the bat for right. 100 Podcast, Episode 2. This is the last sports point I'm going to get into, but earlier this week um, in the NBA, there was an incident between uh, Russell Westbrook of the Oklahoma City Thunder and a fan of the Utah Jazz. Um, people probably already seen this. There was video caught of uh, Russell Westbrook yelling at this fan in the stands, uh, telling him he's going to F him up on his, you know, on everything I love. I promise you, I'm going to F you up, you and your wife. Now, you know, Westbrook probably shouldn't have said I'm going to F you and your wife up. But at the same time, Russell Westbrook is the type of player that does not care and like will definitely let it do have it if he has to. Um, and it was warranted because you know, after the game, they talked to Russell Westbrook. Westbrook said that the guy said, um, you know, why don't you get down on your knees like you're used to? And um, Westbrook took it as a you know, racial insult. Other people were sitting there talking, about, Oh, is it racial? I don't know, it's more homosexual or gay than anything. Not that, to me, it doesn't matter. Regardless of what it was, the dude was out of line, out of pocket. And so, of course, they caught up with the fan afterwards. And um, he was sitting there doing his little speech, talking to the cameras like, oh, I never said any, I didn't use any profanity. And I, I did, you, you could ask anybody around me. I didn't, you know, my wife's here and I'm just having fun talking to Russell Westbrook. And this is her first NBA game and what a way to be introduced. And first off, if that's your first NBA game, like that's the first NBA game you take your wife to, then I'm going to need you to not sit there and try to bow up and 
talk crap to Russell Westbrook, like a NBA player who probably like you know knocked you out with his pinky or whatever. So maybe you need to chill out if that's your <laughs> wife's first NBA game. But point is, guy was sitting there like, you know, all I said, all I said was, you know, you know, put ice your knees, bro. First off, anybody that comes out and says bro or like yo bro, that's automatically annoying to me. I know my wife is gonna probably listen to this and laugh at me because of my voices and she says I do the worst impressions of people, but listen, it's important to do so. Like you have to do that so that people know that it's not me talking, it's somebody else. That's a side note. Anyway, back to the point. Main point is he tried to say he ain't really say nothing. So you know, Westbrook and teammates corroborated what Westbrook said. And then when they started to really dig into the history of the guy, um, they found out, oh, yeah, this dude's a Trump supporter. And he has some really hot takes on people of color and um, Russell Westbrook in particular and used the N-word and, you know, was coming at Russell Westbrook way before this. So, uh People that were actually around him that were witnesses said that he did say, quote, boy, get down on your knees like you're used to. So, yeah, it was pretty racial. It's pretty racist. So, you know, Russell Westbrook had every single right to spaz out and go off on the dude. Um, Probably shouldn't have threatened to, you know, jack up his wife. That was probably still across the line. But... People need to understand, because even when the guy was sitting there talking, he was saying, he needs to be professional. Dude, how about I come to your job? Let's say you're an accountant or whatever, and people come into your job in your office, and they're yelling at you while you're doing your job. You suck. You suck. Or, you know, you can't even count. Look at you. You retarded. Da, da, da. Like, somebody calling you names. Like, you're probably going to get mad and you're probably going to spaz out on the person. He wouldn't say that to Russell Westbrook on the street. So how you feel like, oh, it's okay for you to say that stuff to him there in the game. Like fans be getting out of pocket. Let's just be real. I am a fan and I will like when I went, I've been to one NFL game, one, uh, well, actually it's, you know, several basketball games, baseball game, you know, Things I've actually been into really is in the NFL, though. You know, and the people can't hear me while I'm sitting in the stands. doesn't stop me from shouting. But when you're that close in the NBA, like only in the NBA are the people literally that close to players, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But just because you paid money to sit there and watch the game doesn't give you the right to be out of pocket. You want to boo the guys? Yes, that's the whole point. You boo them. You want to say they suck? Yes, that's the whole point. You want to say, hey, you're going to miss this free throw. Oh, you can't shoot. Oh, your defense is garbage. All of those things are cool inside the confines of the game. The second you step over that line, you deserve to get whatever consequence comes for that. Like, that even (laughs) goes back to the malice in the palace where some knucklehead fan threw a cup of ice at Ron Artest while he was laying on the uh, bench or whatever. And then Ron Artest jumps up into runs into the crowd and then goes. Hey. Now I felt bad for the guy he tagged because the poor guy that he punched in the face 
had did not throw the cup of ice that started it. And it was almost like, I still remember that video because the hilarious thing about it was you saw the one guy in Detroit like cheering that, you know, laughing and cheering that Ron Artest got ice thrown on him. And then the second he saw Ron Artest like coming at him, his his immediate reaction went from like laughing and smiling to like, oh, it's like, I'm, I recommend you look that video up because it's it's pretty hilarious to watch. But point is, you can't sit there and do stuff and not expect to have consequence come about, you, you know, if you want to try to take it there. So I applaud Russell Westbrook for standing up and that just, it, it got me fired up to the point where I was like, people are really coming at this dude now. Just to let you know, the Utah Jazz did ban the fan for life because uh, they didn't condone it. And this dude is, is actually, he talked about he hired lawyers and is going to try to sue Russell Westbrook for defamation. Well, yeah, good luck with that. This is the Zero to 100 Podcast, Episode 2. attitude's wrong your tone of voice is wrong this is your opportunity for here. you playing football at west canaan may have been the opportunity of your lifetime but i don't want your life hello this is the zero to 100 podcast episode two this is william walker jr so the last uh, uh segment that i'm gonna do before i get to the meat of the episode uh, which is about the reactions to the uh, documentaries on R. Kelly and Michael Jackson surviving R. Kelly and leaving Neverland is um, going to be about Operation Varsity Blues, which was the uh, bribery and college um, cheating scandal. You probably couldn't avoid this. This has been in the news uh, in fact, I even first heard about it when I was listening to the sports station that I typically listen to down in Dallas through the uh, Sports Day uh, Talk app, which is for 1310 The Ticket. Um, but <laughs> at the center of this was a man named William Singer, who was the founder of a college preparatory business called Edge College and Career Network. And it was also known as The Key. So behind this, there was um, this guy ended up getting busted. And then once he got busted by the feds, he decided to drop a dime and uh, turn on pretty much everybody. The biggest things that have come from this is that there's been two um, actresses that got caught up in this. Uh, Lori Laughlin, who is known as Aunt Becky from Full House, which, uh, yes, I did like that as a kid. And... Um, Felicity Huffman, who is uh, from Desperate Housewives, is the biggest thing that, that she's been on. Um, but let's just be real. Chances are none of these people, except for maybe the guy who started it, maybe a few others, are going to jail. Because the shock is like, there really isn't shock, or it shouldn't be shock, that, oh, rich people are paying to get their kids into schools but i guess the thing that's so jaw-dropping about it is how dumb these people were and how like insane they were to even want to do this like the thing that kills me is you're rich you can afford 
the tuition at these schools regardless you don't need any incentive if your kid isn't like not smart enough to actually get into the school then hey maybe they shouldn't go to that school but you surely can pay for them to get into a better or another school that they want to go to they don't have to go to yale or harvard usc or anything like that but just to give the breakdown this is the scheme this is what they did so because it's hard to get into these schools um student athletes get a little bit of a leeway like they you know because most athletes get scholarships big time athletes get scholarships to go to the school and the great requirements for an athlete is not the same great requirements for say um like my niece samaya who's currently applying to tons of school but she's an honor roll student um so what they would do, though, because, of course, they wouldn't come out and say, oh, well, my child is a, you know, Division One college football player or, you know, my daughter's a primetime Division One basketball player. So they would pick, like, off sports, like tennis or fencing or rowing, like sports that don't, let's just be real, don't nobody care about. Like, if somebody told you that there was scholarships for rowing, you wouldn't even know it. So... But the, it's just hilarious to me how they decide to go about doing it, like to the point where they would take photos of athletes doing rowing or other events and then Photoshop the kids' faces onto the picture to submit it. And it's like, you gotta be kidding me. And it's utterly insane that you really thought that you was gonna get away with this. Or they would sit there and buy equipment for the kids and take pictures with them with the equipment on and you know they bribe the coaches like you know at these schools uh i believe like a coach at texas was indicted yale ucla usc and the thing that i'm looking for and even though i i firmly believe these people aren't really going to face any serious jail time it's just another example i hope i hope i'm wrong like i really hope i'm wrong but I'm curious to see how they get treated because there was a um, years ago, I believe it was in 2011, there was a mother in Ohio. Her name was um, Kelly Williams Bowler. This was a black woman. And she wanted her daughters to go to a better school. Like it was a top notch school um, in this other district in Ohio that she wanted her kids to go to. So she lied about her address so that she could be in that district so her kids could go to a better safer school so once the school district found out about it they you know was demanding her to pay this back tuition or all this um you know money towards it because it wasn't like they didn't think it was right that her kids went to the school and which i think is ludicrous because you know point is she ended up getting in trouble she had to face uh she got sentenced to 10 days in jail and she actually got three years probation and she had to pay uh this fine of um trying to see how much it was i can't find it right now i think it was close to thirty thousand dollars but the point is is like are you kidding me like all she did was i mean I've been raised that you don't lie. Like you should be honest about everything. And, and that is the honesty is the best policy. It is. But I just think it's ridiculous that this woman was trying to do something better for her, her children. 
And and her situation is not like these people. It's not like Lori Laughlin or Felicity Huffman. Like again, they had the money and the resources to like their kids, let's just be honest, didn't even necessarily have to get a college degree because they're always gonna be taken care of because you're rich and you're gonna be fine. But to like take advantage of the system in that way is just utterly it's is reprehensible to me. And then it's like these same people are the, you know, same people that will probably complain about affirmative action. And I really don't want to hear anybody complain about that. Like you had this one um, student, I believe, in Texas that was trying to sue because she was upset about the affirmative action. She couldn't get into the school. But it's the point is, if you have money to that extent or you have that type of um, like you already have a, a, a head up, like you already have an advantage. So why would you feel the need to go even beyond that? And that's the part that drives me the most absolute crazy. Um, there was, you know, the poor, there was teachers in Atlanta that got a crazy harsh sentence in regards to, because they were cha- changing um, the test scores because they were under intense pressure from the, yeah, always awesome, no child left behind policy, which put them under incredible pressure, which is dependent upon funding, uh, federal funding for schools. So they were, you know, cutting corners and make it falsifying test scores. Um, and then they ended up getting sentenced to 20 years, which they have to spend at least seven years in prison and then get like 13 years probation. Um, and this was eight teachers in Atlanta and yes, the majority of them were black. In fact, I think all of them were. So I'm very curious as to see what's going to happen from this. Like, again, I don't think Felicity Huffman or Lori Loffer will spend one day in jail, but it's just, you know, goes to show that people who already have privilege will continue to try to take advantage and, let's not point the fingers at those who are, you know, who don't have as much, who try to do different things to better their lives and such. So, all right, off my soapbox. This is Zero to 100 Podcast. Are you aware of the charges that Michael Jackson is currently facing? Yes, sir. Uh, and for the record, these charges hurt me the most. So he's guilty. Look, man, look. Michael Jackson has many faces. None of them look guilty to me. You gotta look in the eyes, not the noses. He's been accused of this more than once. So? Some people say the cucumbers taste better pickle. What? Huh? What? Huh? <laughs> what if I told you that the accusers correctly describe Michael's penis to investigators. Sir, I have never seen Michael's alleged penis, but I bet you that I could describe it. All right, let me guess. There's a head, a shaft, some balls, hair, maybe pressed permed hair, with glitter sprinkled on. That is correct. Well, I don't know. Come on, dude. I couldn't pick my own penis out of a lineup, all right? And me and my penis is like this, son. What about Michael saying it's okay to have children sleep with him? That doesn't mean anything. I'm sure there's plenty of kids that sleep in the bed with their adults all the time and nothing happens. So do you think Michael Jackson is guilty of the charges against him? No, man. 
He made Thriller. <laughs> Thriller. So you'd let your children sleep with him? No. Are you aware that Robert Blake is facing a charge of murder? Oh, yeah. Beretta did that. Mr. Chappelle, are you aware that Robert Kelly is being charged with child pornography? Yes, I've heard of such things. You've seen the videotapes? Have I seen it? Like 80 times. Better part where he's waiting for it to come over and he's looking in the camera like. Do <laughs> you think it was Robert Kelly on the tape? Well, I have to say it was. So then, you believe he urinated on a 15 year old girl? Whoa, hold on, lady. I didn't say all that. You know, with these tapes, they can do a lot of things. For all I know, that piss was digital. They, they get crazy with special effects. <laughs> look, look, check this out. I didn't even just do that. Did I do that? That piss was digital. They do crazy stuff with special effects. What about the girl corroborating the story? So what? How much money does this girl stand to make by corroborating this story? I tell you what, you give me that kind of money, or Kelly could fart in my dinner tonight. <laughs> Pray for So, besides the tape and the girl corroborating the allegations, what more would it take for you to believe he's guilty? All right. If I saw a tape of R. Kelly peeing on a girl while he was singing piss on her, <laughs> and the girl was holding two forms of government ID while a police officer was there, like four or five of my buddies and Neil taking notes. Wow. I'm not finished. And his grandmother has to be there to confirm his identity. That's my Robert. Always peeing on people. Don't forget a hair, Robert. Yes, grandmother. Mr. Chappelle, isn't that excessive? No. No, it's not excessive. Listen, lady, the burden of proof is on the state on the state. You have got to prove to me beyond a reasonable doubt whether or not this man is a pisser. Aren't your doubts unreasonable? No, it's not unreasonable. Look, we're talking about a justice system that had 500 people whose cases were overturned by DNA evidence. I seen a tape with five cops beat up a nigga and it's, they said that they had a reasonable doubt. I got my doubts too, all right? How come they never found Big and Tupac's murder but they arrest OJ the next day? Nicole Simpson can't rap? I want justice! <laughs> Mr. Chappelle, you're dismissed. <laughs> okay, so I was hesitant to decide. I was debating in my mind if I wanted to include the um, Chappelle show sketch, especially seeing the subject matter that we're going to be talking about, that I'm going to be talking about is pretty serious. But... Like I said before, I'm well, I'm not a journalist. I'm not. Like, uh, this is just stuff is just my opinion. Um, I'm also just trying to have fun. And this is a really, really heavy subject. So, again, if you have some little kids or people that feel uncomfortable talking about uh, this subject matter of R. Kelly and Michael Jackson, you might want to go off. But I included the Chappelle so sketch which was absolutely positively hilarious is because it's hilarious and I also think is true to an extent 
because black people in this country in particular have been so degraded and so beaten by a system that we definitely don't feel is for us. Like it's not the punishments don't are never divvied out fairly. Like even when I was just talking about earlier about the operation varsity blues thing, um, like I don't expect because the majority of those people are rich white people. I don't expect anything to ever actually happen to them as opposed to if it was black people, I just feel like the system's not for us. So because of that, I feel like we naturally have like this inclination in us to like automatically try to defend the black person, regardless of what they're accused of. Like, I mean, and it doesn't even matter what it is. Like it's like, I'm guilty of this. I am very much guilty of this. Like, you know, after that Chappelle so sketch, I know me and my, um, like there's a lot of lines we took from it. Like, uh, you know, me and my sister and my brothers will always be like, Oh yeah, Beretta did that. And you talk about like, we know that that person's guilty or they're going to find some bloody gloves at our house. So, um, I just think that because of what we face, regardless of what the situation is, we have that natural mindset to go, Oh, this is a conspiracy or this is a railroad or this is a, this is unjust. And that's why, even though like it, I'll, I'll say this in regards to the OJ thing that happened when I was in, um, 10th grade. I, you know, I distinctly remember I was at Mount Pleasant. We were going to Claymont that year because Mount Pleasant was being renovated. But I distinctly remember at the time when it happened, especially being a 10th grader, I actually thought he was innocent. Like I didn't fully understand it. Like it didn't make sense to me. Like OJ Simpson, who I had seen on the, you know, NF, like NBC, he was just like, you know, corresponding for a Super Bowl and stuff. So it's like, I seen him in the Naked Gun movies. Like, it, that was hilarious to me. They're like, that's Norbert. Like, I never would think, like, oh, that dude, why would he kill anybody? That doesn't make any sense. And two people, like, what is he, a ninja? Like, how can he, two people stab that many times or whatever? So, at first, it, when I was in 10th grade, I honestly didn't think that he did it. But as I got older, I pretty much, I'm pretty certain he did that. I'm, you know, pretty certain he did. But... I remember taking joy or glee out of the fact that he got away with it because you had like for years, you know, black people going to jail for crimes that they didn't commit or white people getting off for crimes that they clearly committed and just this huge imbalance of injustice. And you sat there and you felt mad about it. So at the time, yeah, as Chris Rock said, we way too happy, black people way too happy, white people way too mad. But I think even with that, it's like, it's still within us. Like, it's still, like, we still have that thing to go to. So I remember when the um, R. Kelly documentary was even coming out. Like, I remember when they was reporting about it. My thought on it was I wasn't even, I didn't even feel like watching it. Like, I didn't even care for that extent. Like, not to the extent, like, oh, I, I don't care what this guy's doing. Like, you know, just that this is something that we've already known about. Like I've, I'm a huge, like I love R. Kelly's music. I do. I, you know, 
have a ton of it, listen to it, like I enjoy it. I think the dude is a musical genius. But I remember at the time when the thing went down with the P tape where it first came out. And I remember the episode because everybody started resharing the Boondocks episode where they was talking about it. I remember at that time, like, oh, this dude's going to jail. As he should, because it's disgusting. You don't do that. Like, that's crazy. But I don't remember this. Like, it was more like the Boondocks episode. It was like people saw it, people knew it, and yet they was excusing it or they wasn't really upset about it. They wasn't up in arms about it. It was like, oh, you know, they didn't want him to go to jail for it. And so it's like when the documentary came out and I didn't watch it when it first came out, but when it came out and I'm seeing people's reactions to it and it was this huge collective groundswell, like viral, almost like social trending thing. Like, oh, this is ridiculous. And everybody was going crazy. I was like, like, why is this, this isn't news, like, I'm confused, like, why are you just now, like, you know, but again, I didn't watch it, I didn't see it, and I remember talking about this with my sister Kenya, and she was just like, well, there was a lot more to it, and this and that, and you really gotta watch it, and this and that, and I was just like, again, I'm kind of confused about the, the collective outrage thing, and something that is, that, that how I am is like, I'm very hesitant at times when things are all flowing in one direction or when thing is all like, I'm not a person who tries to get caught up in the trends or in the, the flow of things. And I'm almost very like, um, like I, uh, you know, not contrarian, but like, I just don't immediately jump on or whatever. And so it was like, it was almost like I just was kind of dumbfounded by it because not not that like again this dude i was like he needs to be held accountable for it okay so that's the good thing and my sister pointed out she's like it's a good thing that people are collectively outraged about it and i was like you know yeah if it means he's gonna face justice that is a good thing um but it's like from the the standpoint of people were getting mad at other people who were trying to defend them that's the other part where I was just sitting there kind of like, well, you know, just because these nutcases are, you know, defending the dude or trying to make excuses for him, that don't mean you got to, like, come at them. Like, people are like, oh, I'm not going to be friends with this person anymore. Like, that's disgusting to me and this and that. Well, if that's your prerogative, like, chances are you probably wasn't really, really good friends with the person in the first place. Because if you're real friends, real friends, like we sit here, we can have disagreements about stuff. Unless it's like, unless somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm going to be a child predator down or something, or I'm going to be a racist or something like that. They're not going to understand. Yeah, that's a friendship you probably want to cut off. But if somebody's like, you know, coming up with some weird or mental gymnastic contortion or reason to try to defend all right, Kelly, I don't think that's reason to break up the friendship or whatever. And I don't know if the people who are defending him is really just because they really love his music and like, oh, I love his music, which I think has a factor of play in it. But again, you can like it, but you can still call it like, I like his music. I can't front. That dude's a, he's King R&B to me. But I also look at this dude, oh, dude, you need to be all up under the jail. So that brings me to, I heard about, you know, the leaving Neverland documentary when it was about to come out, I heard about it uh, because especially because of the entertainment stuff I listen to and I try to follow, 
I knew when the Cannes um, Film Festival was coming on, or Sundance Film Festival was uh, coming up, that that's where it was going to premiere. And that's when I first heard about it. And so I was very curious as to how people were going to react um, to the documentary, especially after the R. Kelly thing. And part of me just felt like, because Michael, how Michael Jackson is and who he is, period, like this dude was like a ridiculous superstar. Like I don't even think there's like anybody you could adequately compare him to, like maybe Elvis Presley or whatever. But Michael Jackson was huge. Like you would see the videos when Michael Jackson would go perform and do something and people was crying hysterically. And I always used to watch that and be like, I don't quite comprehend why you feel the need to pass out and cry like that. This dude don't walk on water. He's not dying for my sins. So I'm confused as to why people is walling out. Like, look, I, I love Thriller. I love Billie Jean. Billie Jean's my favorite Michael Jackson song of all time. It's a great song dude can dance i love his moonwalk but at the same time i never quite comprehend why you would react to the point where oh i can't breathe and crazy stuff like that but point is um when it was coming out i was very curious to see how people were going to react to this documentary versus the r kelly thing and especially in particular the people that was going so hard in like bashing the people that was coming out trying to defend R. Kelly. I was just really curious about that. So the documentary premieres. It comes out two parts. You know, both parts is two hours long. I, again, I actually didn't even want to really watch it because Michael Jackson, uh, <laughs> to me, I remember at the time, especially after he did the interview with Martin Bashir, who's a, a British journalist. He did this special that aired on ABC. Uh, it was a 2020 special and he followed him around Neverland and he was talking to him and asked him all these pointed questions. I remember when he asked him, did he sleep in the bed with little boys? And he openly admitted it and he said that he did. And he was like, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it's a lot wrong with that. It's if it's not your kid, it's a lot wrong with that. So I remember at the time, I was like, Yeah, that dude's a pedophile, or he did something wrong. Like, it's yeah. So I thought at the time, but it nobody really kind of railed about it. Everybody just dismissed it. Oh, it's just for money. A person did it for money, and they he's not doing that. Oh, he's just a little kid at heart. He was he never had a childhood, so he's a kid still. He's Peter Pan. Peter Pan's not real. Peter Pan is a fictional character. There's no such thing. Like, this is a grown-A man. And if a grown-A man came to you and said, hey, I want you to, you know, is it okay if your kid sleeps in my bed with me? No. Ew. No. No, it's not okay. So, get out of here. Um, so, <laughs> that was my thoughts even before seeing it. And I didn't want to see it. But I was like, you know what? You can't when I started doing the podcast and I wanted to do an episode about it, I was like, I can't go in there and not watch it and try to comment on it. So last weekend I watched the surviving R Kelly documentary, which was um, six episodes, one hour each. And if that wasn't 
tough enough. Then I had to watch the Leaving Neverland documentary, which was two parts, two hours each. I'll say this. I feel like the people that did the Surviving R. Kelly documentary presented it in a much better way in regards to like laying everything out, like including people that um, like R. Kelly's background, why he was successful to the point he was, the people that was in his circle, um, even interspersing it with, you know, psychologists to give what the mindset of a person like R. Kelly would be or victims and stuff like that. I just thought it was very well done. It was well done. Um, the leaving Netherland Neverland documentary I thought was just as compelling, but it wasn't presented as well. And it's also opened them up for criticism that they probably could have avoided because um, it, it's very one-sided and it's limited in its scope because it only talks to two of the victims. And one of the victims in particular, people is really railing against because of, you know, his backstory, his history and um, his problems that he's had with other people and everything but point is even after watching both of them i can't comprehend how anybody who did watch both of those series would sit there and go oh yeah they're neither one of them did it like i, I can't comprehend the people who would watch the r kelly thing and say man he didn't do that and he's innocent or whatever which i don't even think people are people would defend r kelly i don't even think try to use that argument i think it's more like people go well Elvis was dating girls at 14. Look at Priscilla Presley. And like, that's still not okay. Like just because white people did it or people back in the day did it, like they'll go, well, Jerry Lewis married his 13 year old cousin. Yeah, that's gross. She was 13. Like, I'm not even like the cousin part is crazy enough, but the fact that she was freaking 13 years old, like that's utterly insane to me. But guess what? I don't care. That don't make, mean it's okay. Like, back then, there was a lot of stuff that went on that is not cool today. Like, hey, slavery was back then. Slavery's not good. Like, that doesn't mean it's okay to do now. Like, there's a ton of stuff that was done back in the day that people realize, yeah, you know what? That's kind of messed up. We shouldn't be doing that. So, yeah, that's not a valid excuse or defense anymore. Um... The Michael Jackson thing, after watching, the Michael Jackson thing disturbed me tremendously. That was tremendously disturbing, and it really was incredibly gross. I'm just flat out. I just can't even, I mean, the R. Kelly thing was gross as well. Like, I'm not, look, we're not going to sit here and compare who's grosser or whatever. That's not what this is about. But it, it's just like, I can't see how you would sit there, like, again, you're not going to let some 30 plus year old man say to you, Hey, how about you guys go sleep on the 10th floor and your son sleep in the bed with me here. And like, yeah, no, no, my kid's going to sleep in my room. He's going to sleep with me. He's not sleeping, which I don't know who you are. This ain't your kid. Like you're a stranger. No, I'm not going to go to the grand can. I don't care if my kid goes, Oh, I want to stay here with Michael. Yeah, no. Yeah, we're going to the Grand Canyon. So guess what? Where you're going? You're going to the Grand Canyon. I don't, y'all don't care. You're not, no, you're not watching my kid. Like, I don't know you. You're not family. Who are you? 
And it's just, but seeing this stuff, it just kind of like, after watching it, watching both, and then watching like, again, looking at the people that was like trying to do, you know, defend R. Kelly, the people that, it, it's like, I looked at, my, you know, my Facebook feed and I was like seeing when the Michael Jackson documentary came out, I'm seeing a ton of my friends and a ton of people like defending them and making comments defending them. Michael Jackson that is. And I was just sitting there like, uh, and then I was like, you know what? This is Facebook, like, which I learned after the 26th election. We've created our own like echo chamber in our own little bubble. So it's like, you don't really know what the what people are actually thinking because you just like you see the majority of things that from people that relate to you and you think the same way and you kind of relate the same way so when i went on twitter after the documentary premiered i looked on twitter because i was very curious to see what the reaction was and about 90 percent of the reaction was still defending Michael Jackson, which I just thought was a little crazy to me. Cause it's like, again, I get it. If you love his music, look, I get it. Like the dude was a super talent. Like, um, I think he's, you know, phenomenal. So I, I totally get it. But at the same time, um, that doesn't mean that, it's okay. You don't have to excuse it. Like I remember it was like a comment I had made on there. Cause somebody, uh, some, one of my friends had posted something and somebody had commented about like, Oh, I feel like they're, uh, you know, taking away all of our childhood heroes and stuff like that. And like, it's just some kind of crazy experience to take away our childhood heroes. And the reality of it is no, it's not. It's, we don't know these people like just because we, buy their music or we watch their stuff like we don't know these people we don't know them and it's like you have to separate the artists or the art that the thing that they're doing from the actual person because we don't know them and the reality of it is people that we liked or admired or looked up to did bad ish and they getting called out for it as they should like i'm guilty of this i am very guilty of this like it took me I, I struggled with the um I struggled with the um Bill Cosby thing. Struggled with it because I love the Cosby show. I still like you can still watch the Cosby show on Amazon Prime and I think T V one still airs it. Um or is T V one about the point is I love the Cosby show, so it was hard for me to hear when Bill Cosby was getting uh, you know, charged and all this stuff was coming out about him. It was just really like, just hard to deal with. And it was like, even like the, the thing that he ended up going to jail for, I was sitting there like, when you hear the details of that case with Andrew Constance or, you know, I'm <laughs> trying not to get in trouble. So I'm going to leave that alone. But <laughs> point is it still, it bothers me a little bit. Cause you sit there, you go, man, like, dude's 80 something years old and so i'm guilty of this i am calling myself out like this he should have stayed faithful to his wife he shouldn't have like he could get any woman he wanted if he wanted to step out he shouldn't have his kink shouldn't have been hey i'm gonna knock you out and you know rape you so it's just um 
But that's not, we're not about that. I'm just pointing out that even I am guilty of this because when you have these heroes that you look up to or people that you admire, doesn't mean that they're perfect. It doesn't mean that you can excuse the crap that they do. So, uh, it just was kind of, you know, crazy to me that people would sit there and go through all these mental gymnastics and twist stuff just so that they can justify trying to defend this person. Like, if you like that person's music, like that person's music. If you like R. Kelly's music, like his music, but you don't have to sit there and say, hey, he didn't do anything. Or you like Michael Jackson's music, Thriller is probably one of the greatest albums ever, if not the greatest. That doesn't mean you have to be like, oh, well, no, he was just Peter Pan. No. Dude's, uh, fit the, look up the, like, the, uh, profile of a child predator. Like, if, if this dude, if Michael Jackson was, like, a 40-year-old or 35-year-old mechanic, you guys would have been like, that dude's a pedophile. Like, a lot of his actions was no different from the actions from the guy from Abducted in Plain Sight, which is a, man, I should do a podcast on that because that thing was so crazy. But we're, anyway, focus. We're going to stay focused on this. Um, that's my two cents. To the bat for right. So this is the Zero to 100 podcast. This is episode two. As I said before, I'm going to have a conversation with my very good friend, Monica Blush Miller. Yes! (laughs) She is now (laughs) down in Atlanta. She's abandoned all of her friends up here. She forgot all about us. She don't want to be around us no more. She had to go down to Atlanta. I'm just just joking. Um, But... As I said before, she didn't hear this part, but I'm going to tell her. I introduced her. I said, this is a singer, a model, all-around talented and intelligent woman, and super passionate, and she's an activist in my mind, and so I just wanted to have her on because I remember when... um, the documentaries dropped, like, when the first one, which was Surviving R. Kelly, dropped. I was, like, mm-hmm. you know, you was super active on Facebook and stuff and posted about it. And then mm-hmm. when the Michael Jackson joint dropped, I was waiting to see what you was going to say about it. And then you f- tracked it down. And then I was, like, as soon as you said something, I, I think I hit you up. I can't remember if I hit you up on Facebook or text you. I think I texted you. No, you texted yeah. you. I think you texted me. I did. Yeah, you text me, yeah. Yeah, because I wanted to get you on because I wanted to talk to you about it and also hear your thoughts and takes because I had given my thoughts about it earlier. And uh, the other mm-hmm. thing that I really like about you, especially like because, you know, me and you were a part of this group that you started where we can, all of us can talk openly and freely and not feel fear of judgment or anything like that, which is very cool. And I've met some cool people through that group. and. Mm-hmm. The thing that I love about it is that even if we disagree on stuff, like right. we all have civil conversations. Like we, because even if I don't understand your viewpoint, you explain it in a very good way. That I'm like, oh, okay, I get your point, and now I see what you're talking about, and vice versa. And that's one right. of the good things because I feel like in this day and age, especially like there is a severe lack of civility. Like we can't discuss things that we don't agree with 
just because it's yeah. either like one way or the other. It's like you need to follow my way or you need to understand where I'm talking about and I don't think that's cool. So I think the I think the issue really is we've we've forgotten how to be personal or personable I should say with people because we do everything online. So people tend to think that they're bigger than they are mm-hmm. and when we argue with people they you know, they're this alter ego of themselves, and then it's like they don't think that other people feel the same way, and it becomes a clash of everything. And, you know, there should be some sort of a balance where you can disagree and still come back to, well, we cool, but, you know, now I see how you see. Now, you know, talking difference of opinions, depending on the topic, might make people not want to be friends anymore. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's all about... Um, maturity and understanding context of the conversation and how personal people are trying to, you know, get. Like, I mean, some people can't even argue without taking a low blow that has nothing to do with the topic. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and plus with me and you and most of the people that comment on the things that I say, y'all know me. So, me yes. being very sharp with what I say or how I say it, you know you're not taking it personal because this is how I am and I believe that my circle of friends are just like me. That's why we just don't we don't pay no 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 mind to each other. It's just like, oh well, you know, we're gonna come back after that. It's like, you know, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you saw both of them. I watched both of them. I actually watched both of them last weekend. Mm-hmm. Which was like that was a tri- that was a marathon that was like that was hard to watch and then it was like afterwards mm-hmm. I needed to watch something incredibly funny because I needed to detox so I think I watched um, Brooklyn Nine Nine because I needed to laugh because that yeah, was something yeah to take you away from that yeah it was heavy so what was your thoughts on the um, two documentaries let's start with Surviving R Kelly. The R. Kelly situation is like beating a dead horse, to be honest, because we already knew he had issues. We already knew that he had past depression um, that nobody really agreed with. I think the problem is when you bring something back up that everybody already spoke on, it also reminds us of the people who are that retarded that support shit like that. And I'm cursing. My bad. It's okay. It's PG-13. You know, I can't, I can't talk without cursing. So it's okay. You know, it's funny. No, no. I anticipated it, and I was like, that's all right. I was like, I know she's going to, but as long as she don't go too crazy, we should be okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm keeping it to a You can keep you know, it real. <laughs> yes, you can keep it real. I'm happy with that. But, oh, my gosh. But, um, yeah, it's like. You know, we already knew what we knew, the whole Aaliyah thing. Those of us that back in that time have seen the video and we was all disgusted and then gave up on them. But then you got those people that still in 2019 are supporting what they know is a problem. Mm -hmm. All because of his, his, you know, legend. And just like I said about Bill Cosby, who I refer to as Kill Cosby. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> is you have to separate the man from his personal life. You know what I mean? His his genius is his genius. You can't take that away. That's a talent. Mm-hmm. But you can't listen to this man's music and not think that he's singing through a minor. 
you just can't now. It just makes more sense now because you can, you know, every word and seems like you're ready is like, oh my God. See that, you know what, it's <laughs> fun. If, all right, this, I said even before, like, I, I put a disclaimer on there because um, when I gave my two cents about it, like, I opened it, actually. I used the Chappelle Show sketch, so I was like, mm. we're, I mean, I know you, you know me, we both like to joke around a lot. Like, we both like mm. to have fun. So this is a very serious subject, but we probably are going to crack some jokes and have some fun, and it's mm. not belittling the, the seriousness of the subject. I, I know what you mean exactly, and especially in terms of separating the the actions of the person from the person. Because, I, like, I'll be honest, I admit, like, the Bill Cosby thing was hard for me. Like, that was... I mean, it was, it was like, for me, I've been stopped feeling him when he was talking as the honorary doctor from Temple when he was making conversation about the youth and it was like, okay, I feel you because you were old head and we respect you. Mm-hmm. And I agree with predominantly what you say, but it went into a rambling of I, complaining of the youth. And then it went into sounding like how our grandparents used to talk to us when we were kids. And we looked at them like, okay, you're doing too much. We heard you. See, we heard you. That, and that's the thing. Like, I guess, like, you know, because it all s- super sparked up about, you know, because when, like, um, when Hannibal Burris was making the jokes about it and then everybody started digging into it. And that's the thing about today now is, like, where it's, like, everybody got to go back and dig into stuff now. It's, like, I, I get you and I understand that why people didn't like the fact that Bill Cosby was coming out talking about, like, young black people and the stuff that they do. I get it. But to me, it's, like, it's like you said, I look at it the same way as, like, my grandparents looked at how we do stuff differently. And then it's right. like, I always say to myself, I don't want to do that, but I automatically already now find myself <laughs> looking at my nieces and my nephews at times. Oh, and, I do that. And I'm like, yeah. ugh, this stuff, y'all, like, the stuff you listen to is crap. Or, And I always like, oh, I'm not going to be like that. But I guess that just comes with age. Like, everybody's day was better. That's how, you, that's how you know you're old. <laughs> I'm, you I'm young. When we were kids, and you're yes, like, that's true. Up, little do we do all that? Yeah, I know. It's different now. It's way different now. <laughs> As I said so. to uh, my wife, though, I'm I'm young. Like I'm still like I'm still young, even if I'm not really. But anyway, I didn't want to talk about that. But I I get what you're saying. I do. Um, right. I, it's, it's just like with with our. It's a lot of. It's a lot of questionable mm-hmm. in there, but those questionable do not outweigh what we know. Mm-hmm. And considering that even today he has been, you know, arrested, bailed out, and about to be indicted on a bunch of things yeah. that stem from the things that we know, yes, means that he obviously has done them. I know it's that's the thing I guess like when it first came out like when the documentary was even coming out at first I didn't want to watch it like I really didn't care and it wasn't that I didn't care about the victims or anything or I didn't care it's just it's it's like you said before like this was stuff we already knew so it was like crazy to me when I saw like the super collective outrage about it I was sitting there kind of like um where was y'all at like this right. wasn't nothing new. Like, right. I'm confused. And so that's that was my thing from it. And then the other part of it that I was, like, really, like, I get it that, 
like how you said, like you, it's hard to look at his music now and not look at it. And it's funny because I joked about that with my wife. I remember I said to her, I said, I remember I think I played Bump and Grind because that's the song I always do. I cannot listen to him. I promise you. I know like, it's like. My skin crawls. I get mad. I be like, I want to punch my face. When I, I get mad when I see people on Facebook or even in real life that still say see, they listen to him or, mm-hmm. you know, it really irks me because I'm like, dude, I could see if he was just being a cute, but it's a no. I guess that's <laughs> the know? thing where it's like, because I, I do, like, I ain't going front. Like, I like, I liked his music. I still like his music, but at the same time, I'm nowhere near to the point where I'm sit there gonna go to war for him or try to defend him. Because like when it first happened, when he first got busted with the tape, I was like, "Oh, this dude's going to jail," and I was like, "As he should." And then it's like when he didn't, I was like, "Oh, all right." So I kept listening to it. So I can't sit there and say, "Oh, I don't like you know." I ain't listened to his music still. So because I, I, I did see. I just, I don't know. I See, that's good. I wish I was there. And then it's like, but it was like when I played the one song, Bump and Grind, and I was joking to my wife, I said, I was like, man, I say I was, because, you know, I did that song every time we went to Matt Munn's karaoke party. Like, that was my yeah, yeah. my go-to joint. I tore it up. Um, Thank you for not commenting. But, but mm-hmm. it's like, I sat there, it was like, when you listen, I said, I said, dang, I said, you know, when you listen to the words, it's kind of like, it almost makes more sense now as to mm-hmm. what he was singing. And it was like, oh, okay. I was like, he did call Everything himself. Crazy. <laughs> he did call himself the Pied Piper of uh, yeah. R&B. So it just, I don't know. It, it Like, I can't, I know what you mean. Where it's like, because before I used to be able to listen to it and completely separate the artist from the thing and I could just like and still enjoy it like I still like I haven't listened to it in quite some time now and I don't know if I could go back I I don't know I'm gonna be honest like chances are I probably will hear it again like I'll probably still listen to his music because I have so much on my playlist but but <laughs> but I can't like there's no way I would buy any of his new stuff like one I'm pretty certain he's going to jail like, I just, I will be shocked. Like, I literally will be shocked if he, I was shocked the first time, but not as shocked, especially with how people was reacting to him back then. Because mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we think people are defending him now, they was going, like, even harder back then. But, but when you, when you, when you know <laughs> this dude has a lot against him that are, that is very factual, and you have retarded people spending thousands of dollars on a man they have never really met. Mm-hmm. You're that's, crazy. I think that's the problem with celebrity in general, though. Because it's like, it's like you said, it's like, I feel like we get, all of us do, like we get wrapped up at times in people that we never even met. And we, just because right. we like something that they did or something that they do, we like, oh. But it's, they like, can, but it's like, okay, as a celebrity, that's what you sell. You're selling the dream of knowing a person through their music and their image and all that. I get that. But it's different when it's a no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's the difference between being accused and knowing that that happened. Mm-hmm. And still riding out for somebody. So that that is where I draw the line. It's like, okay, 
just the same as they say that there's, um, you know, homosexual things that happen in the industry and it's like a known, but mm-hmm. it's like secret. It's also the same with these young girls because they're groupies. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of these celebrities that deal with these groupies not giving a heck about how old they are. Yeah. And nobody's, you know, really saying much about them. It's just with this particular instance, you're talking about a man that not only is dealing with these young girls, but he's living with them. Yeah. He's And he's, like, brainwashing people yeah. to believe this is the right thing to do. Let me have your child. Like, who? first of all, let's just say this, too. The parents are in the wrong. Okay. That's another no. Yeah. Parents are in the wrong because there's no way possible as a parent that I'm going to let you have my, my child during a school year. Yes. Like, that was like, one of the other crazy things about when I watched it. Like, when I watched the, the six parts, the other thing that struck me is, like, you know, that I felt like almost, like, the people that was around him as well were getting yeah. a pass. Like, when the tour yeah. manager was sitting there talking about, well, he came to me and, um, you know, I he, I had to forge the documents for him and Alita to get married. Yeah. I'm sitting there like, I'm like, bro, like, what? Like, yeah. and he's like, I wish I did yeah. more. And nobody's he talking. Said, well, he said, Aaliyah was 15, and I put it on her that she was 18, but then he turns around and gets interviewed by Gail, and she asked him blatantly, have you ever been with anybody under the age of 17? He said, never. Does he know that we know yeah, I, yeah. about Aaliyah? Or, like, look, <laughs> look, that interview... <laughs> That interview, first of all, I was like, okay, uh, I don't know who's in his camp. I don't know who's giving him advice. I think, like, Saturday Night Live the past weekend did a joke about yeah. it, and they was like, they asked him, he said, did you take the people's advice? He was like, no, I did not. I was like, yeah, I don't think he <laughs> took anybody's advice because that thing was, I, yo, I was dying. I, I couldn't even, like, again, I'm trying not to laugh about it because it's serious, but right. the fact that you just sat there and you was talking normal and then you go into a high-pitched squeal like, yeah. you're killing me! He was like, I'm fighting for my life. Yeah. Well, calm down, calm down. Yes. You, you just, no. <laughs> you're definitely not going to get away with that. Yes. Young girls probably visit him and putting money on his books. He gonna be living living life in there, and then you got people inside that know he R. Kelly. Yeah. Everybody, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a, a another voice going on. Like it's gonna be a voice competition. It's just, uh, it's just yeah. I just I don't know. It that was just insane to me. Like I I couldn't help but laugh at it because it was just so. Like it was almost like I couldn't even comprehend. Like you thought that was a good idea and it, mm-hmm. i mean the fun i couldn't help but laugh at um gail king's her her thing she's just sitting there like robert yo robert yes this that's exactly <laughs> it that was exactly that was exactly <laughs> it so, all right. Oh, um, okay. And he was crying and whatnot. I'm like, oh my God, he needs to stop playing. Yes. Stop. All right. So, you watched, did you watch, the, I mean, I know you did. You watched the uh, Michael Jackson documentary. Yeah. 
Leaving yeah. Neverland. Now that I have a different sentiment. Okay, um, this is where I need to yeah. Into, it came in two different halves, you know, two halves. Yes. And they were long. They were humongously long. And initially on the first half, with all the details, very descriptive details of what so-called happened, it made me feel torn because anybody that knows me knows I am a humongous Michael Jackson fan. So to hear those disgusting things made me be like, Okay, now I feel like how R. Kelly's people feel. But then I had to turn that off because I had to come to the realization that regardless of what is being said, he's dead. He can't even defend himself. See? And, and the fact that the things that are being said are being said by a person who more than twice denied that anything ever has happened. And... In the second half of that documentary, he says so many things. He says, first, he got married, had a daughter. The first person he wanted his wife and child to meet was the guy that he says is now have molested him when he was a kid. I'm going to need him to shut the hell up. The thing. I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. Then. Then the whole story about, well, when he died, he asked to be invited to this funeral and cried a river for a guy that molested him. I'm going to need somebody to explain to me how he grew up into this adult that now so-called knows what happened to him as a child, and yet he still looked at this man as a hero, as a, a idol. I'm confused. See, all right. Yeah. This is where, like, I, I know that, like, I think we disagree a little bit. Mm-hmm. but Because, all right, I get it. I hear how people, like, come at Wade Robeson, and this that's the dude that, um, you know, accused him. And then when he was younger, he, but he denied it, like, two times. And like you said, he grew up. Like, when I watched it, this is the weird thing to me about watching the two, especially, because when, like, unlike the R. Kelly one, and I said, like, because when I gave my piece about watching both of them, I, I said I felt like the people that put the surviving R. Kelly documentary together did a way better job, in my opinion, of presenting it than the people that put leaving Neverland together. And I did have an issue with the fact that, like, even in the R. Kelly documentary, they had people who kind of supported him a little bit in it. Mm -hmm. And so you had, like, another side to it. And Mm -hmm. he had his, you know, they started everyone saying he denies all this stuff. So it's like, I, I hear what you're saying. But with the with the Believe in Neverland thing, I can get where people had the reservations because they only it's very one sided, and then I think it's, even, one, it's very very one sided. But one of those, okay, this okay. Let me let me put the holes out there. You got two people, only two. But in that's whole four hours of your life that's being sucked out that you can't get back. But see, that's you got two people. Wait a minute. Okay, go ahead. Two people who during the whole thing tried to name or put faces to other kids that may have been in the same situation, but none of those kids got on the documentary. Right. So, 
obviously something's wrong here because nobody's agreeing with y'all. I don't think right. it was that nobody was actually agreeing with him because I remember like before the documentary came out, they was talking to the director about like why did you only have these two people and why didn't you get the other people? And he said he specifically put these two because he wanted to limit the scope and he didn't want to like ch- like twist. That's, but that's stupid. See, I agree. I, if, I don't disagree I, with that. If I, if I was if I was known as a rapist and I break ten people, why would you only take? See, I don't disagree with that. I don't. I see that's where I feel like they falter in that regard. But at the same time, it's not like these were the only two people that were but like. But we don't know that because nobody else nobody else spoke up. You can't speak for other people. Well, that's not your job. Yeah, but it was other people that he they he, he was investigated for. Is my thing. Like my my thought on it and my. Oh, but, but this is my but this is my point mm-hmm. though. He was investigated for other people, which means somebody else found that they felt they felt that he did something to them. But yet, even after his death, which he's been dead for I don't know how long now. Um, they didn't speak up now. But see, this is my so, thing. I do think I do think Michael Jackson is getting a bit of a pass because he's dead. Because I do think if he was alive, he would be getting more of the same wrath that R. Kelly is getting. If he was, if he was okay, let's let's also put this into perspective as well. Just like R. Kelly, Michael Jackson was investigated. Michael Jackson actually had a trial. Michael Jackson was thoroughly physically investigated. He had his whole house ransacked. Yeah, there, there was, was one piece of evidence. See, oh, stop, yeah. stop, hold on a sec. Cause that's the thing. Like I was like, that's the thing where I see everybody was like using that as an example. It's, oh, the FBI investigated him and he they didn't find anything and this and that. No, there was actually it was. Like, the investigation that they did, like, there was actually two. Because there was two investigations that the FBI did. One was done back in the late 80s, like, 89, uh, 88 or whatever. And they actually just dropped it. Like, it was a, like, they kind of just dropped it because at the time, he was actually going to be honored by Ronald Reagan at the White House. And so, they didn't want that negative thing on there, so they just dropped it. And then... The second one is, like, super heavily redacted, but it was, like, you don't actually know what was in it because it was so heavily redacted. But, see, this, but the, problem, the problem here lies this, and this is why it's going to be an eye-opener or it should at least be an aha moment, is we're going to, I'm gonna, this, in your mind, picture me putting a piece of paper in front of you that has R. Kelly on one side and Michael Jackson on the other, right? Mm-hmm. Both of them are music geniuses. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, can't take that away from them. Yes. Both of them have super fans. Yes. One is more worldly than the other, but yes. that doesn't change anything. They have super fans. Okay. Those are the, the known knowns, positives. Now, you have one man, R. Kelly, who has documentation that was legal and had to be uh, revoked that mm-hmm. he married a minor. Right. Yes. And, and you have other um, visual evidence, right, of him actually doing sexual things with children. That's true. And now we have three. And now we have three. 
different videos now. Okay? So... And, and not to mention that one of the victims was one of his artist's family members. Mm-hmm. Okay. Those are really big yeah. points. If you Like, okay? if you want to say that, yes, there's definitely way more evidence in regards... To and the R. Kelly like, stuff. Wait, let me finish. Okay, though, go ahead. Let me you got Mike, who is a weird, eclectic type dude. He's weird as hell. I'm not going to deny. Dude is weird. Right? See, I, and that's the thing. I feel so, like people are using his like weirdness or his eclectic personality and, to excuse a lot of the stuff that he did. When the reality is, right. if you if and that's why I, look, if you took it away, if you said he was like a uh, a groundskeeper or he was a clerk somewhere you would be like oh that dude's a pedophile because he mm-hmm. fits a lot of the traits like you can't like the Peter Pan thing like oh he's just a kid he's just, he never grew up no that's some BS because mm-hmm. the reality of it is if a grown man comes and this is the other thing I wanted to ask you too do you feel like it's a difference the way people are reacting to it as well because a lot of the victims of R. Kelly were black. So the community is like, oh, you ain't going to do that to our young black sisters. But the victims of Michael Jackson were allegedly were little white boys. So is it like, I mean, I hate to say that. You're You're saying it backwards because if R. Kelly is raping black women or black girls for that matter, when we all know that the community acts like we don't even see black children or black girls especially that's how he's getting away with it and why people are putting his music above his uh no i'm not yeah i'm not saying that's why there's not one person in this entire world that's going to get off from doing a crime to a white child well no yeah that's what well see this is my thing i'm not saying that he's getting away with because he's just doing black like the reality of it is we both know if R. Kelly was caught on tape peeing on a 14-year-old white girl. This dude would have been all up under the jail, like, without question. Like, he'd have been done then. But no, what I'm saying is, is it, like, because, like, here's my thing. Like, is it because the people that are coming forward for R. Kelly are black? So we're, like, us as black people, we, let's just be real. Like, we trust each other more. Like, as much as people want to try to say black people killing each other and this and that, which we trust each other more than we trust white people. That's just the reality. So if a black person is saying... I'm going to say that because it's it's black on black crime, it makes it easy to be skeptical of what it really is, even though it's facts. That's true. That's like as a societal thing. but But my whole thing is, though... Aside from Michael Jackson not being here, and aside from the timing, because they had plenty of time to do something like this, some sort of expose of sorts, um, I'm not taking the word of somebody who cried wolf, number one. Number two, the other half of that Michael Jackson documentary only focused on Wade and his failing career. Like, Mm -hmm. made it very evident that the only reason you're doing this is so you can get a check, because you're a boo-hoo-hooing about how bad your career has sank since Britney Spears tour back in like 90 something. So that's see and that's the thing. I I'm not like I'm not denying that. Like I'm not denying that he that I feel like people are latching on to him and going, "Oh, well, see, he's unscrupulous." So, of course it's not true. Where I feel like couldn't it as a victim like first off, 
you know, I'm not a victim of, of sexual assault, so I can't speak on it. But, mm-hmm. like, usually victims have a hard time really reconciling with what happened to them. And couldn't it be where it's like, this dude could have been a victim, but he could also be an immoral person. Like, I'm going to profit off of my tragedy. So I'm going to use this, well, this profit. Can you compare him to the other white boy? Mm-hmm. The other white boy said when he got older, he totally cut himself off mm-hmm. because he said, I'm not dealing with nobody that I realized was abusing me. Even if we're both, if even if everybody's thinking that they're both lying. Mm-hmm. Okay. Point is, you got one who kept it, you know, who kept it going until he died. Mm-hmm. He stayed around the person that abused you willingly until he died. The other person became an adult, like about 18 years old, 19 and cut them off. Period. That's what an abused person does. You don't stay around a person that's abusing you knowing that they're abusing you. That's for target. But see, that's yeah. my other point, too, because it's like people are latching on to the way Rosa and they kind of ignoring the other dude completely. Like, well, see, he lying. I mean, I'm, not, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just saying that only Mike knows what he did, right? Just like anybody. We mm-hmm. all know what we did in our mm-hmm. life, right? So let's just hypothetically say that he did, not with those two particular people, but in general, mm-hmm. touched a young bull and, and molested him, whatever. Let's just say that that happened. Okay. But he has nothing else other than the speculation being put out there saying that he did it. When you got R. Kelly, who got more than 10 different types of evidence against him, that we know that he did it. So nobody is really backing up the idea that Mike didn't do it. Oh, my God, he didn't do it. We hope he didn't, but we don't know. That's all opinion. It's a lot of people. But what we're saying is, yeah, well, if he did do it, he had a hell of a way to keep that shit on the low low because there was no way that you could pinpoint it other than random videos of him with little people. But see, I think that's the... ...were actually sick or other rich little kids or people not from the United States or, you know what I mean? Just yeah. But see, I think that's part random. of the part of a child predator. Like, they pick the victims that they know they, one, they pick the ones they know they can manipulate because it's children. I mean, I get that, but you also got their parents co-signing it. But, and that's the other, like, I'll see, that's the other thing. Just like when I watched the R. Kelly documentary and I was mad at the people that was surrounding him that was, like, letting stuff pass, I was incredibly angry at the parents from the Michael Jackson thing. My thing is, like, first off, no way in the world are you going to have some grown man have your kid and you going to go, we're going to the Grand Canyon. And do you want to go? And the little boy goes, no, I want to stay here. And you like, oh, okay, you stay here with this perfect stranger that I really don't know, and I'm going to leave him with you. Like, every one of those parents, in my opinion, need to be slapped because that was all that but then you got the parent that when she was like, every time we stayed in the hotel, my room got um, further and further away. Yes. But it was still okay. No. But your son, you know, sleeping in the same room as, as, as another adult that's not them. Exactly. So, like, that's crazy. It's like, it's absolutely insane to me. I can't even come. It's like, did you watch Abducted in Plain Sight? Yes, I did. Oh, my okay. God. Okay. So. <laughs> Yo, we can't. You don't even want to know what. 
we gotta do that one. We gotta do another one. I'll call you back. We can talk about that one because I do want to do another podcast. I want to talk about that one too. Because but see, that's my thing. It's like if if you look at that dude, like the way he weasel his way in with the parents, and then how he like those parents. And the parents from the Michael Jackson day, I put on the exact same plane. Like y'all are retarded. Y'all are crazy. I can't compare. But, like, but, but compare compare the parents, R. Kelly and Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson was buying his way into this yes. family by buying them houses, yes. cars, and toys, and everything else, giving them money. Yes. Google. Then you got R. Kelly, who just based off of who he is, was like, "Let me take him on tour and try to give him a record deal." There is no try. He has his own record company. So what are we what are we doing? You're taking him on tour for what? Tour is hectic as it is. So I'm confused as to why my child, first of all, only y'all parents are retarded because you took your child to an R. Kelly concert. Yeah. You do know that's R. Kelly, that's, right? That's, R. Kelly is for grown folks. Exactly. I don't disagree. So, Again, I was like, it's, I mean, I'm not then, trying to blame, like, I'm not trying to get away from that. I guess my thing was, the thing that was driving me the most crazy, and my wife will attest, because she was talking about how, she was like, you need to just go ahead and record it, or just sit down and talk. Because the thing that was driving me the most crazy, that was frustrating me the most, is the people that was going so hard against R. Kelly would sit there and take the same arguments that, like, you know, you had people that was trying to defend R. Kelly, and then people that would defend Michael Jackson would take the same arguments that people defending R. Kelly had and would try to use the same thing. Like, they'd be like, oh, people was defending R. Kelly, oh, he was abused as a kid. And I'm like, and then people that had my time, oh, he was abused. I'm like, I feel what you're saying. Like, yeah, we already know that he grew up real messed up. We knew that. But it's more to it. Like, his his situation and R. Kelly's is similar in a sense, but... It's like R. Kelly being sexually abused by family versus Michael Jackson never having a childhood. I mean, exactly. they're both fucked up. So what? it's like you can't really compare that. See, that's you know just it. It's like you have to take that out of the equation for the simple fact that I don't really care about what happened at home when they was kids. I'm really worried about what they're doing to other people because the fact that somebody I seen this on my Facebook somebody was like and it wasn't nobody that was like one of my friends it was somebody on their end you know their friend talking stupid sounding like they was trolling but was like well then for all that we might as well just kill all of the victims as well as the uh, abusers because you know victims make more victims. And I said, that don't even make yeah, sense. Yeah, that don't make sense. Okay. That's retarded. No, but that's like, my thing that was driving me the most, I was going nuts. Like, I sit there, it don't make sense. Like, you can't sit here and go so hard against one and then... And then not the other. Yes. Because it's, it's, look, they both, I'm sorry. My thoughts on it, and this is just, like, I'm just being real. I like both of their music. I think they're both, like you said, musical geniuses. And it's mm-hmm. like, but that don't mean you can give them a pass for being bad. Like, like we're all guilty of it. And I feel like, especially as black people in general, we have a tendency. Like, we know the system isn't made for us. Like, we know the system isn't made for us. So, usually when one of ours is in trouble for something, 
I feel like our go-to or our default is to automatically defend because, and I'm guilty of this. Like, I remember, I, this was years ago. I remember when they had the O.J. Simpson documentary, um, Made in America, came out, and I posted something about it where I felt, like, extremely proud to be a black man, and I was happy he got off and this and that. And Because it was, like, the fact, like, it was so much racist stuff surrounding it before his trial. So it's like, we're all, like, I'm guilty of it. Where it's like, you see a person that you know, well, it's like, when I was a kid, I mean, when I was a kid, I honestly didn't understand the case and everything. I really just was a football fan. So I was like, oh, he didn't do it. And then as I got older, I was like, oh, he did it. But then it was kind of like, I'm happy he got off because for years, y'all got away with stuff and Right. You know what I mean? So it's like I don't, I don't even, I don't even entertain the whole well, the white people doing it and they getting away with it thing. Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, I'm not worried about them white people. Them white people aren't my community. Them white people don't mm-hmm. look out for me, and them white people aren't familiar faces that I can say I see that resemble in my family or in my surroundings. I don't care about those white people. Mm-hmm. Why are they getting off? It is what it is because it's it's a known known that like you said, the justice system isn't built for us. Mm-hmm. So to keep comparing apples and oranges and wind up with a banana, I mean, that's so disregarded, mm-hmm. you know, to me. So, you know, until, you know, it's like almost like comparing black-on-black crime mm-hmm. to crime everywhere. Yeah. It's stupid. You know what I mean? Crime is crime, which means wrong is wrong. Yeah. And it is what it is. Now, if you want to compare police brutality yeah. to black crime, now we have another discussion. So to compare R. Kelly and Michael Jackson and anybody else that's black that has done similar things and wonder why one got off and one didn't, you sound stupid asking, you know, asking that because you already know the answer. But I will say, again, if we're going to compare, Harvey Weinstein has a lot of evidence against him as well. That is a known known. Yeah. Michael Jackson did not have any real evidence. And it's not to say that it didn't happen. It's to say they couldn't prove it. So until you can prove it, then I got a problem with you. But if it's not proven, I'm going to give you the side eye, but I'm not going to give you the harsh treatment because it's like almost like if, if I'm missing $20, but me and you are the only two people in the room. Yeah. And... And I'm going to accuse you of stealing my $20. But if I can, you know, evidence in my head is, well, one plus one is two. He had to took my $20. But you're pulling your pockets out. You're opening your wallet. You're going in your car. You're going in your jacket. You ain't got my $20. I cannot hold that against you because there's no proof that you took it. But I'm going to look at your side eye now because from this point on, I don't really know if you took it or not. But you, so okay, 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 okay. That it was like virtually impossible for me to say that you took it. That's what I'm saying. If you can't prove it to me, but <laughs> it's see, a different story. that's the thing. I understand what you, from a, to me, from a legal standpoint, yes. But if you are in a room and this is the only other person you in the room with and you didn't actually find the $20 on them, like let's say you put the $20 in a shoe, it still don't mean they didn't steal the $20. Like just because I mean, you I don't have a heart. I just said that. Well, yeah, no, I'm saying I agree. I can't prove that you didn't take it before. From this point on, though, I have a little distrust okay. against you now. All right. Because now I can't trust you by myself with money. Okay. So in that, rep- and in that, in that aspect, I'm saying, okay, 
if Michael Jackson is said to have done all these things, and me as Monica has a child and loves Michael Jackson and wants to meet Michael Jackson, I am not going to trust my kid around him by himself. Why? Because I got the side eye on you. But we still cool, though. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We cool. I just gotta look at you like, damn. Lady, but see, that's that. okay. All right. See, that's okay. I get what you're saying. I understand what you're saying completely. I really do. But see, that's my point too of what was driving me the most crazy because it's like you, like you, you, you admit it. Like you're not in complete denial. Like there are people that are in complete denial. Like, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely not. But no, I ain't going through that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like. You're not in complete denial, but it's like you had said earlier, like earlier you said, oh, I just can't listen to R. Kelly's music okay. anymore. And so it's like, but can you listen to Michael Jackson's? Because to me, how is it that to me, again, it's not. I understand what you said. Like one has clear cut evidence like you can put it up and bam. And Michael Jackson's not caught on video with it. And again, I still feel like he was much more clever about like one thing. R. Kelly is retarded, and after watching the documentary, you can see this dude really had zero. He was literally retarded. But point is, how is it like? I don't see. It's hard for me to see a real difference in it. And I mean, I'm just being honest. Where I say I'm probably still like I have a ton of Michael Jackson. I have Thriller. Like I live off the wall. Like it's I love his music as well. Like I never could quite grasp why people was falling out crying going like right. and like they got shot right. when they saw him but yes i love his music but at the same time i could also say i'm sorry i believe that dude was a pedophile but you're going based off of your personal feeling i'm i feel because like of, it's i feel like it's it, okay it's, you're it's right more, it's, it's more so a personal thing because you feel as though it happened even though there's no physical evidence whatsoever, but you're like, I know he did it though, because it just makes sense to me that he did it. And that's fine. But what I'm saying is I am like you, I'm not basing it solely off of personal, you know, the only thing personal that I have against this whole archaic thing is that I do not condone child abuse or mm-hmm. elder abuse for that matter. Mm-hmm. I don't condone doing things like that, but to know that that person did it, you definitely get to know. You get the chop. I don't know mm-hmm. you anymore. So, you know, that's why I'm like, it's, it's, it's a difference between, yeah, I can see that he did that, and he did that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that's probably why, you know, it's just harder for you because you're just like, it doesn't matter to me. If I even think that you did it, I don't want to associate with you. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, how can a person, you, say that you can put R. Kelly and, 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 and Mike in the same boat, but yet you still listen to R. Kelly, though. Yeah, I listen to both. Like, I was like, and that's the thing. It's like, I'll say this. It's, I wouldn't buy any new stuff from either one because, you know, they still be releasing stuff from Michael Jackson even though he's been dead. But... I guess it's like my like DL Hughley made a really good point. Like somebody, one of my friends had shared this comment to DL Hughley and me because somebody said to him, like, "How can you listen to these artists if you know this bad stuff that they did?" And um, I think he said, "Well, how same way y'all listen to the Star Spangled Banner, where it's like the person that because that's well, first of all, the Star Spangled Banner is a political thing. This ain't political. So well, no, it's not. But it's like I get his. Together. 
I get his point from the standpoint of the person that created it was a racist and nobody knocks the even like the second verse that they don't even sing because of how racist third it verse, is. Third verse, oh yeah, third I'm sorry, third verse. It like nobody sings because it's so racist and it's like but nobody everybody ignores it. I mean, it's from that standpoint, it's I guess it's like how I said before, where it's like I feel like you should you don't have to demonize a person because you like that person's music. The reality of it is if you had known more about the person like beforehand, yes, you probably wouldn't have supported like I mean I know I wouldn't have supported him at that point. But it's like I like you like what you like. And it's like you try not to like you, you try to make better judgment in the future based off of it. Like, you know, for example, like Kanye, for example. Like I love Kanye's old stuff, like the old Kanye. Like he was of course, on yeah. point. But then it's like when he came out and was like, oh, I'm loving Trump and this and that. I'm like, oh, dude, F, like, I'm, F you. Like, I'm not fooling with you. I will not right. touch a new thing that you got. But I deleted, I deleted Kanye out my phone. All of it? Even the old stuff? I didn't have too much old stuff on here. I had a few things, but I deleted, like, his Cold Summer album, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, the little old stuff he did with Lil Wayne, yeah. like, all his stuff. I deleted Lil Wayne off my phone. See, you because go, alright. Like, he was like, you know, when mm-hmm. he said about, well, I just don't think racism exists because it's never happened to him. Yeah. <laughs> like, saying, I deleted you out of my phone. <laughs> see, like, I, I guess I was like, that's, I guess that's the, the like, thing. Like, me and you are definitely, see, different in that way, because I, like, I can still enjoy the old stuff <laughs> Because As opposed I can't find to the entertainment thing. and knowing that the person that is trying to make me feel good mm-hmm. actually in real life is a piece of shit. So for me, again, going back to my, my philosophy of confirmation versus opinion. So they said that. It's a sound bite. I seen it. It's on an interview. You said that. I see it with my eyes and hear it with my ears. You said it. It's factual. I cannot refute facts. So if somebody, all right, so if they came out with a videotape of Michael Jackson doing something to a little boy inappropriately, oh, yeah, I'm done. then you're not going to listen to it I'll, no I'll more. I'll cry about it, but I'll be done. All right. Well, at least you're consistent. Like, you're consistent. Oh, yeah, I'm so I will like, give you. Get a pass if I can truly get that. Well, all right. Like, I'll say this. Nobody gets a pass. I'll say but. this. You're consistent, even though I still have problems with. Like, I, you've explained your view, and it makes sense. It actually does. Right. Because you like, oh, well, it's clear evidence here, and it's not clear evidence there. So it's like, all right, I get it. So now at least I understand, because I will say, like, when you was posting certain things, I'll be looking at it like, what the? I'm like, hold up. How are you going so hard on this side, but then on mm-hmm. this dude, you not? But that's why. Okay. But that's why. All right. So it's like. I still feel like, like you're doing. I on, if I was a juror, this is how I'd have to look at it. Where's the evidence, though? All that's right. the point. I still feel if like you're doing a, some mental gymnastics on it. Decision, that's how it would be made. You can't put opinions on facts or lack thereof. I still feel like you're doing some mental gymnastics on it. But it's okay. I still love I you. I don't think I don't think so because I just explained it. Like, there's no you d- all right. You do. did, but I just feel simple. like you were like, okay, I feel like, because these the victims didn't have a recording of it, I just no 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 don't not don't be specific. I'm just saying 
in our intelligence that they had that. What I'm saying is there was no evidence even found by people that investigated him. It doesn't have to be. But you don't um, know what they actually found. Like, that was my other what? point. Like, because I looked into because I was, like, the people using the FBI thing was driving me crazy. So I started looking into it. And then the reality of it is when you actually look into it, it's not that they didn't find anything. It's that they kind of just dropped it or they kind of covered it up. Like, they just didn't release stuff. Because I was like, somebody had shared a post that really made me mad. And then I read. That's not true because that's why, that's why Tom Snowden was such a big deal. Because he was the person that was really driving the whole investigation. Then you had the whole idea of them uh, looking at him naked and got that wrong. How do you mess that up? He, that's walking evidence. It's not something he can change. It's his penis. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, you not doing a good job. And he got to the LIGO. You better know where them spots at. He was so close to it and all. I'm just saying. I just. But that's not the same. I just can't. I just can't. That's just it's that's that's the part that's just drive me a little crazy. It's like I get it. I, I understand what you're saying completely. I do. I really do. I just don't agree. I just don't agree with you. But that's cool. That's why I wanted you on though, because I just because see, at least I felt like we had a civil conversation about it, and we didn't have to be yeah. like, I'm not gonna be friends with you anymore. I'm not. I don't like you or whatever. Like, just like how you, because, yeah. like, you, like, you know, you can't listen to this stuff anymore. And I'm like, well, I try now, not to think about now, it. If, if 10 years from now or five years from now, there's a hidden vault in his house <laughs> discovered with mad evidence of the same stuff that everybody keeps saying he did or didn't do. I promise you on everything I love, I was like, oh, hell no. Well, I bet you, because that's how I am. Okay. Consistent. But until then, I'm like, just don't trust him around your kids. That's really why, that okay, way. that's why I, I love you. That's why we're still friends <laughs> and we're going to be friends. <laughs> so, yeah, okay, clarify saying, this. You know, everybody got a crackhead in their family. You ain't oh, going to get a crackhead around your house by yourself. But you love that crackhead, though. That's oh, my thing. God. <laughs> All right. I ain't even messing with you on that. I ain't even going to go there with it. Clarify <laughs> something for me, though, because I was also trying to remember I met you first in Miss Wiggins' class in fifth grade, right? Yeah. Okay. Fifth grade. Yeah. Yep. I just wanted to clarify it. So. Yes. Fifth grade, Miss Wiggins' class. Yes. Harlan Elementary. Yes. Do you, are you? Um. I also hope that you're still pursuing your singing because I think you're a very talented singer, and I, I actually appreciate it. still I have appreciate your. It. I plan on. Don't give me line. I'm not going to, like, put a deadline on it. But I would like to 
possibly look into the music thing again. It's been a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I just have to reconnect with some people and just get the mojo. You know, music mm-hmm. will never leave me, you know, because that's, that's my life. But it's just when real life happens, you have to put other things on hold. But, you know, I just need to reconnect with that part of me in order to make that work because I really do want to do it. You know what I mean? I've been doing more more modeling than singing and I need to go back to that. Like, that's my, that's my everything. So we'll see what the future has. We'll see. Well, this was fun. I really enjoyed this. I did. It was it was interesting because it's like I've done on the phone interviews before, but it's like <laughs> mm-hmm. this was good. This was good. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. I hope you listen to my podcast. Even though I know I'm probably gonna be talking about sports a lot, and I know you don't give a f about sports because yeah, you know I'm not a football fan. Yeah, it's, it's okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. who's your basketball team? Or do you have one? Oh, no, 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 but I haven't been watching any of the, the games like that, so don't. Okay, <laughs> all right. Well, either way, I'm going to call you regardless because now I'm going to have you as a regular. I'm sorry I'm going to miss when you come up here because that's my birthday weekend and I'm actually going to visit my sister in North Carolina, so I'm not going to be okay. here. So but we're going to be swapping spaces then Yeah. But next time you come up, or maybe I'll try to come and visit you down there. I'll bring my wife. Because I don't think you've met my yes. wife yet. Yeah, I haven't met her. I haven't met her. I've just seen pictures of her. I hope she, hope she likes um, Cheesecake Factory as much as she She hates it. <laughs> Do you know she hates it? And that drives me crazy. Oh. She doesn't like it. And she just feels oh. like it's... And I Like, she likes their cheesecake. She does like their cheesecake, right. but she... And their food sucks. Their food sucks. Oh, see, you don't like their food. I like their food. I actually no, like their food. Cheesecake is the only reason I went. <sighs> you know what? I was wrong. We can't be friends no more. We can't. We can't be <laughs> you this is a cheesecake yeah. friend. I don't care if you want to defend the pedophile Michael Jackson, but you ain't going to sit here and talk about the cheese. I'm joking. She's not defending the pedophile. I'm joking, people. Don't get mad at her. Don't be don't don't be sitting there blowing up her Facebook or blowing up her, her stuff and be like, you defend it. Like, no, she's not doing that. So just stop. Um, oh, man, you got to. <laughs> no, nah, you should know me better than that. I'm very like it. If, if anything, I can explain anything that I say, you know, you, even if you don't like it, yes. at least you understood it. I so, will give you credit on that, you yes. Know. You have a talent for uh, doing that. You have a talent for doing that. I definitely give you credit on that. <laughs> like, at least I can explain myself and not sound retarded. Yes. You know, you might not like it, but it's like, okay, well, I get it. I, I just don't like it. Yes, so, I will definitely give you credit. It's okay. But this was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. I'm going to hit you up Thank again because I definitely want to talk to you about Abducted in Plain Sight because that's a whole podcast by itself. Oh yes. That joint was bananas. All right, but I'm going to let you go. I don't know what you're getting into, but I love you. You're my friend, and you will stay my friend, and I'll talk to you later. Yes, thank you for having me, and I can't wait it finally to see you, but even then, it's, it's all gravy, and you know, you know you can always hit me up. So. All okay, right. But. Thank you so much for having me, though. This was great. Thank you. Bye. See ya.
so there you have it that brings us to our conclusion of zero to 100 episode two I want to thank my friend monica once again for joining me and us having that nice and spirited conversation in regards to the documentaries and the reactions for uh surviving r kelly and leaving neverland um, i look forward to talking to her more in the future again and getting her back on so the next episode that we're going to do is probably going to come out a little bit sooner than before. Um, I'll try and get at least an episode out by the weekend or the beginning of the week. Um, not sure what the subject is going to be about. I actually have a number, a couple of different things that I can talk about. But this process has been eye-opening. It's been fun. It's been interesting. Um, please leave some feedback. I really take in all criticism i'm probably my own worst critic especially when i go back and i listen to stuff but i'm gonna try to get better with each episode and the feedback that you guys give me is always listened to and appreciated so please let me know as soon as it's available again on itunes i'll let you guys know but in the meantime you can go to the number zero two to one the number hundred dot blogspot.com so that's zero two one hundred dot blogspot.com or you can find it on soundcloud just search zero to one hundred podcast and i will see you next time for zero to one hundred episode three yo